Well, we'll see if you do that at the end. How are you? I preached in uh, Southern Baptist churches. I know of Northern Baptist churches. I've never seen an Eastern Baptist church before. It's kind of, kind, of, kind of fun. If you have a Bible, would you open it with me to Philippians chapter 3 and do me this favor. Keep your Bible open. We're going to spend some time in that text this morning. And uh, I bid you greetings on behalf of Western Oklahoma Baptist Association, as we call ourselves WOBA. Um, I would like to just tell you good things are happening in this association. Uh, We just had a great camp, our first in two years. Many of you were there and you got to experience it. Uh, We have 45 kids that were uh, trusting Christ as their Savior at that camp. And so it was just phenomenal. Uh, Lots of good feedback. We've got some tweaking, of course, to do. We changed the schedule this year. Totally revamped it, decided we wanted a program that would include some missions training, give kids lots of different opportunities and kind of rotate them through a schedule and not give them quite as much free time to get in trouble in the gaga pit. And so we, uh, we've discovered that we had some things that worked really well, some things we want to do better next year. But I appreciate your support uh, for your association. That means everything. It means that you believe in what we're doing and you're participating with us as the scriptures tells us to do. And so I'm just so thankful for you. By the way, if you go to our website, gowoba.net, at the bottom of every single one of those pages, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Our newsletter dropped this morning for the month of July. And some really good news is there if you follow me or follow the association on Facebook. As soon as uh, I get where I can, I will post that to our Facebook page so you can read it. But we'd love for you to be a subscriber. That means a lot to us. It helps us to get the news to you very quickly. Um, I sure was appreciative of Brother Don in inviting me to share the message with you on the 4th of July. And you don't ever know how to take that, really, because normally on the 4th of July, there's a lot of people gone. But it looks like a pretty good attendance today. Well, at least the eastern half of you showed up. Um, And so I'm excited about uh, sharing with you a message. And he told me you kind of started a weird time, 10 till. Because you expect to be out at 10 till. Uh, is that right? Well, I look at it, it just gives me an extra 10 minutes to preach. That's, you know, unless you're just trying to beat the Methodists to the restaurants. They're all closed today anyway. So let's just have a good time in the Word of God and let's hear what He has to say to us. Uh, this is a message that deals with our Christian citizenship. And I'm a citizen of the United States. I was born in this country, both of my parents were too. And so there's no question about that, about my citizenship. And we, you could say, well, I'm a citizen too. We have a lot of people in this county who c- cannot claim that. We have a lot of undocumented uh, people who live in this area. And they are a challenge to minister too. They are here. And we, they have souls and they need care and they, and they need our support. And as Christians, we try to minister to everyone. But, you know, we're really not supposed to be here. Not for long, anyway. I mean, I can't say we're not supposed to be here because God put us here. But this is not where we're eventually going to be. Does that make sense? Have you ever been in your life someplace that you didn't really want to be? Every year, as a director of missions, I've already discovered I have to attend a three-day tax seminar that talks about churches and ministers' taxes. Listen, there might be some people out there just really crazy, love that stuff. If you're an accountant out there, you might want to say amen. But I'm not one of those. I don't want to go to any tax seminars, let alone for one for three days. And it's like, you know, oh, you know, 
<laughs> Calgon, take me away. <laughs> have you ever been someplace like that? It's like you, you have to be there, but you don't want to be there. I, see, I'm at that age now where it's I'm okay if Jesus comes back. There's nothing here that's keeping me here. There's nothing here I really want. In fact, the first half of your life, you spend your, all your money accumulating things. And the second half of your life, you spend all your time getting rid of the stuff that you've accumulated. I had discovered that because every time I used to go visit my grandpa, he would go out to the shed and he would send me home something. Like, here's a box of bolts. You might need these someday. I know what he was doing now because he knew he was not going to be here long. I remember uh, one time my grandmother on the other side of the family uh, said, uh, Terry, you just got to come to this family reunion. We just don't do it very often. I really want you to be there. I was like, okay, you know, and so... I show up at this family reunion, and it's not like the Meachams that are related to everybody in this county. It was like the, the, the Riles family reunion, and I'm looking across the sea of people. It's like, I don't know any of these folks. If they're related to me, it's like, how? I don't know anybody. So I'm sitting there talking with my sister and my grandmother, and this little girl, this lady comes over, and she's about yay tall, and she's about yay wide. She's got a Harley Davidson shirt on and not a tooth in her head. And she comes over, takes one look at me, and says, Oh my gosh, I am thinking you think you the baby. Come give me a hug. <laughs> and so it's like <laughs> So I hugged this lady, and then I look at my sister and said, I'm ready to go. I did my time, Warden. I showed up. I hugged the toothless lady with, with the Harley Davidson shirt on. I did my civic duty. That's not my crowd. That's not my, those are not my people. I didn't know any of those folks. You know where I wanted to be? I just wanted to be back home. And you know, there's a home waiting for those of us who have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we sometimes get really way too bothered by the circumstances and the affairs of this life. Isn't that true? I mean, if you're one of these nuts that glues yourself to the television news channels and you absorb every little piece of news that they broadcast, understand this, only about half of what you're getting is true. I'm just going to be, I don't care if you're right or left or upside down. If you just can't believe a lot of the things that you hear. For example, I was at the Southern Baptist Convention. I went to every single session, and what was reported in the media is nothing like what happened inside that room. They're talking about this attempted conservative takeover that was thwarted. I got news for you. 95% of the people in that room were absolutely united in our heart and our spirit and excited about Southern Baptist life and us going forward. There's kooks on the right and there's kooks on the left, and I admit that to you freely, but that's not who we are as Southern Baptists. Listen to me. If you get absorbed with the politics of this world and the affairs of this world, and if that just dominates your every thought and it creates worry and trouble, you need to understand you have a citizenship that is not here. We have a citizenship that is someplace else, and I want to share that with you in the Scriptures. Read with me in Philippians chapter 3, begin verse 17. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I've often told you, now tell you even weeping, that they're enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. 
verse 19 tells us that their minds are on earthly things. But 20 tells us where we're supposed to be. Our citizenship is in where? It's in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for that amazing promise that we will see him one day soon. We eagerly wait for his return. I bless you, Father, for this opportunity to share this message. I thank you that we live in a country that is free, but I also understand we have a job to do while we're here, but this place is not for us. This place is a temporary stopover for us, but our citizenship, according to your word, is in heaven, and we praise you for that today. Help us to understand that, and help us to understand what the invitation is at the end of this message because it's an invitation to join you in what you're doing. I praise you for what you're doing in our hearts today. Bless your word, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share some very brief things with you. The first is that there's a pattern left for us to follow. Um, when you become a father or a mother, you, uh, you understand this because you see certain things in your children where they imitate you. Isn't that right? Um, I remember one time I was out in the backyard and, and I was doing something and I bent down to look at something and I did this number, just my hands on my knees. I looked over and my little boy is standing there with his hands on his knees the exact same way. And I thought, what's he looking at? He's not looking at anything. He's just imitating what I'm doing. Listen, we have this same example that is left for us to follow as believers God didn't say, hey, figure it all out on your own. Just you know, grope your way through. Who knows where you're going to end up, but you're going to manage somewhere or another. He gave us a pattern. And first of all, I need you to understand that pattern is Christ Jesus. And that we should follow in, in those steps. In, in fact, in the previous chapter of Philippians, he tells us, let, our, let, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you want to figure out how to do life and get through life, just have the attitude and the mind of Christ. There's an example to follow in our country, for example. There's some things you better follow, like the United States Constitution, which, by the way, is being watered up and thrown in a corner right now, as far as I can tell. But there are laws that are enforced irregularly. We have a legal system, not a justice system. I'm very discouraged with what I see in my very own country. I'm discouraged with every single branch of our government. And if they would let me be in charge, I'd just straighten it all out for them. <laughs> but we have a constitution. We have laws. We have ordinances. Isn't that right? There's a city ordinance. You can't pop firecrackers. Or, isn't that funny? They t you, there's ordinances on everything. Or how about this one? This Executive orders. Boy, we got executive orders just coming out our ears right now. And here's the other word, mandates, which are light laws. I, I've flown quite a bit lately, and they always come on the radio in the airplane and say, you must wear your mask over your nose, it is federal law, and I want to stop them right there. It's not federal law. It's a mandate of our government, but our Congress did not pass it, and it was not signed into law by the president. See, I watched that cartoon on Saturday mornings. I know how this works. <laughs> Plus, I had Mr. Mangieri in the seventh grade for physics. Or for civics. Physics, that would be weird. Civics, physics, same thing. We have a pattern to follow 
if we're citizens of the United States, traffic rules, regulations, ordinances, mandates, laws. In the same way, we have a mandate that we don't get to do Christianity any way we feel. We have to follow some kind of example. The example given to us is Christ. But not just Christ, there are others. Paul talked about the pattern that you saw in us. He's talking about the apostles in verse 17. In other words, what you saw the apostles doing, that's what you're supposed to do. Let's see, what did the apostles do? Well, they dedicated themselves to prayer and to the word of God and to teaching and to sharing the gospel everywhere they went. If that is the pattern in their lives, guess what it should be in our lives? By the way, did you catch something? When he, when he says, join in following my example, you know it's, that crazy thing is a very short sentence in Greek. In fact, that follow, or join my or, or follow my example, that little short phrase, follow my example, is actually one Greek word. And, and it's a, let me blow you away with some Greek stuff here. It, it's, it's called a hapax legomenon. It's the only time that word appears in all the Bible. And, and it's kind of a created word. It means together with, and then the word mimic. So mimic together with me. That doesn't mean we just ex- follow the example of the apostles. We are following the example of the apostles who are following the example given by Christ. So when you follow your pastoral leaders, you're actually supposed to be thinking of it this way. I am following the man who is following Christ. I am growing with him and walking with him on that journey. And as he sets the pace for your church and as he teaches you to follow Christ more faithfully, you follow that example. In doing so, you're being obedient to the pattern that God has set out for us. We have the example of Christ. We have the other apostles. We have other faithful men that's also talked at the bottom part of verse 17. You certainly know people who are very, very faithful. You look at certain people and say, boy, I wish I had that kind of prayer life. I wish I had such a sweet spirit like that person. Well, you can. It's not, you know, you bought that car without it. You, you can develop those things. By the way, let me talk to the men. You have a choice to make, men. As you get older, you're either going to be sweeter or grumpier. Those are the only two choices that you get. Which one are you? Well, I can tell, by the way, you're looking at me what some of you are right now, that's for sure. But we have this beautiful example to follow, and I'm so thankful. Here's the problem. You would think with such an amazing example, for example, Christ or the apostles, who are textbook examples of what we should be doing as believers, there are some who frankly do not follow that example. And that's obvious. It doesn't take long to find them. You can see those in the world, but you know what? You can also find some of those even in the church. Jesus predicted that that would actually happen even in the church. He told, he told them there's wolves among you. Understand, these people are not friendly to the church. Look in verse 18. For many walk, these are the people who are not following that example, of whom I've often told you. In other words, this is not new. I've repeatedly told you this. And he says, now I'm even telling you weeping, so he is broken in his heart over this, that these people are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of Christ. I certainly don't want to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. I don't want to be a stumbling block to the cause of Christ. These people are an enemy to the cross. And by the way, he goes on and says this. They, in verse 19, whose end... 
is destruction. That's what waits for them. Because their God is their appetite, and their glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Well, the verse 19, the first part of verse 19 tells us what their destination is. It's destruction. This isn't the way. You can't get there from here. Once you drive a train to the end of the tracks, you can't go any farther. And that's what these people have done, who've rejected the pattern of walking in righteousness as Christ did. They've rejected the example that others left for them to follow as the apostles and other faithful people did. Instead, their end is destruction. He says that their God is their appetite. In other words, they just do whatever they want to do. I'll never forget the day I was talking to a man about coming to church and worshiping with us. And he said, I'll tell you this, preacher, I'll be there unless I have something better to do. Wow. See, that's a man whose God was his appetite. I'll just do whatever seems right to me. See, when you have an appetite, in our culture, we eat what we have a hankering for. Y'all get hankerings? What are you hungry for? Well, if you live in western Oklahoma, your wife is likely to say, Mexican food. Do you know why she says that? Because 15 out of every 10 restaurants out here is Mexican food. So what kind of Mexican food would you like? Pick the Mexican food of your choice. We're going to have Mexican food. Isn't that funny? I'm glad I like Mexican food. I'm glad my wife likes it too. But you know, sometimes I get a hankering for something else. I, I want some barbecue. Or I want to go eat some Chinese food. You know, I get a hankering for something. I, I want to go and get that. But listen, people who just live after what they want in their life, regardless of what God wants for them, end in destruction. They always do. Don't live in a way where your God is just your appetite. And by the way, their glory is in their shame. Cannot give you enough examples of this. People march in pride under the banner that looks like God's rainbow, exalting something that is shameful, that God will destroy and judge, as if it is good. You see, our world is flipped upside down. Did you notice? Because what used to be right and good is now bad. And what was bad and sickening is now exalted. And there are people who revel in shameful things and expect us to applaud. By the way, the scriptures give us very clear um, mandates here that we do not give hearty approval to the same. In other words, if you agree with it, you're complicit with it. Here I stand on the word of God. I am not going to back up. No Christian should from the truth and what is right and what is honorable and glory. And the, all those things that Philippians tells us in chapter 4, verse 8. Think on those things instead. Well, there's some that reject that pattern for sure. But we're supposed to, instead of having our minds on earthly things, as he ends verse 19 with, we should instead have our minds on heavenly things. I can give you some really good examples of this. You remember the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and Asked Jesus what he had to do to see the kingdom of heaven. And you remember Jesus told him that you have to go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then you can come and follow me. And the Bible just says, and he went away sad. 
I don't know how that story ends. None of us do. The scriptures are just not complete with the end of that story. But why was he sad? Because he loved his stuff. Another parable that Jesus gave was about a man whose barns were full. And rather than feeding the poor with the excess that filled his barns, he decided to tear them down and build bigger barns. And what did Jesus say of that man? He said he was foolish because um, that very night, that man's soul was going to be required of him. You think it's good to just fix your mind on things that are here? You better use what you have for eternity. You better start making investment to the next generation. It takes a long time uh, to develop some disciples, so we better get started doing that very thing. There's um, one more example I'll give you of a man whose mind was on earthly things, Caesarea Philippi. You remember Peter gets into it with Jesus, and Jesus has to rebuke him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Remember that conversation? And Jesus says this to Peter, You are a stumbling block for me. Think about that. You have been that... The way that you're acting right now, trying to make sure I don't go to the cross, is trying to cause me to stumble and miss the point of me being here. And then he says, For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. In other words, you're only doing what you want. I see this all the time in a church. We confuse the ordinance of God and the scriptural authority and commandments for the church with our personal preferences. See, everything that happens in the church today sometimes just falls within the corpus of our personal preferences. Well, we dislike it this way. Is it right? Well, I don't know about that, but we like it this way. Really? I used to have a man in my church named Sly Fox. I don't know how old he was, but he was somewhere between 90 and 200. Little B, short guy, bald-headed. He always sat back on the back row, and he just sang his own song. I guess he couldn't see the screen or whatever, so he'd just make up his own words. After church, you know what he would do? He would go to... Go out to eat pizza with young folks. And we said, why are you doing that? Why are you hanging with young people? He says, because they're alive. And he said, we got to change this church so we can get more young folks in it. And I'm thinking, what? You don't hear a lot of 90-year-old men saying we have to change this church to get more young people in it. Because so many churches I deal with as the director of missions want young people in it, but they want the young people to like how we are. Listen, there's a reason young people aren't going to churches. We better figure that out. Because so many churches in this association and this state have the exact same problem. Because we have, we, we've imposed our preferences over what the authority of Scripture tells us to do. That just tells us our minds are on earthly things. It's about getting our way. Then we're no better than a toddler throwing a fit. There's a... There's an appetite that we have to watch out for. The scripture tells us, and it's very clear, that our citizenship is elsewhere. Look at verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. So think of it this way. It's a location. It's not even here on earth. It's up there somewhere. People say, well, where's heaven? Well, I don't know. It's up. You know, Jesus ascended up into the heavens, and I don't know. I bought a... 
I bought one of those trash magazines going through the checkout one time because they, this article said that they have spotted heaven using the Hubble Space Telescope. And I thought, that's worth $1.50 right there. Just, and I bought it just to, gosh, the curiosity just got the best of me. And they had pictures and everything. It must have been true. See, you can't even believe what you read, can you? I don't know where heaven is, but I do know it's a place. Jesus says, Behold, I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is real, and it's a place. And that's where our citizenship is. You've been raised up, not just moved. You've been set for that purpose, not for this. Because you can't get everything done in the amount of time that God gave you on earth to live. Have you discovered that? About the time you figured out all the stuff that needs to get done, you run out of the energy and the physical ability to do it. Isn't that funny? By the time you save up enough money to have those things that you always wanted to have, now you don't have any desire to go anywhere. I see a lot of nodding out there. Yeah, he's talking to me right now. Keep your minds in the right place. And it's if you think that politics will solve your problem. Um, government doesn't solve problems. Many times government is the problem. I'm just quoting Ronald Reagan. I want you to understand, if you think the next election solves anything, it may solve some things, but it may not solve everything. Because we're headed in a direction that's away from God. We're no different than Old Testament Israel or Old Testament Judah who've turned our backs on the things of God and say, we can do it ourselves. We have a better way. And what God typically does is he sends a prophet to call his people back to himself. Here's another problem. I don't hear the prophet in this generation. Do you? I mean, who speaks now for God? I mean, Billy Graham is gone. Who's filled those shoes? Has anyone? Can you name anybody that has filled shoes like Billy Graham, who was calling us to repentance, back to a loving and holy God. I'm not hearing it. Where is the prophet in this generation? It's almost like God is saying, okay, if you really want to go that way, I'll let you go that way, just as he did to Old Testament Israel and to Old Testament Judah. Our citizenship is not here. Let's reframe our minds. This is not where we're supposed to be. Live righteously. Do what is right. Vote your conscience. But the truth is, it's only going to get worse because I've read the scriptures. It does not get better because one day tribulation is coming. The last thing I want to share is this. And this is the best part. Because our citizenship, inherent with it, embedded in it, is a promise. Hmm, what's that all about? Well, let's look at the text one more time. Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you ready for that day? Listen to me. It's going to come from that direction, the eastern sky. You're going to hear the trumpet of God and the shout of the archangel. The sky is literally going to peel back, revealing his glory. Think mountain of transfiguration where the glory began to shine through. The glory of God is going to be manifested when his glorious son comes back for the church. He's going to be accompanied by myriads and myriads and myriads of angels. And he's bringing with those, all those who have died in Christ, he's bringing with him. And then in the twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be changed. We're going to lift off this crown. We're going to be snatched up, caught up, raptured, 
Whatever word works for you. And there we're going to be with Him in the air. Can't you wait for that day? There's not an amen anywhere. What's the deal? Boy, that's exciting. I, we eagerly wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day. Here's the next part. He's going to transform us. That transformation began the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. You're not the same person you were. We sang that the first song today. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become brand new. But that's only the beginning of the transformation that God's going to do. Because one day, he's going to change everything for us. In verse 21, he will transform the body of our humble state, that's our physical bodies, into the conformity with the body of his glory. In other words, we'll be in the same kind of physical body that Christ was in after his resurrection by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Well, what's that going to look like? Will we glow in the dark? I don't know. Will we have wings? That's what a lot of people paint this. I don't think we have wings. We don't turn into angels, by the way. We just get rid of this mortal body. Uh, in case you didn't notice, I'm slightly overweight. Got a diabetic problem. Nearsighted. Colorblind. I got tooth implants. Let's see, what else? I've had, you know, many surgeries, you know, orthopedic type surgeries, ankles, shoulders, back. Hmm, what else? What else? Well, not enough. I can't wait to trade all that in. As good as as good as this is, I get to trade it in for something better. And in that moment, he's going to take this humble estate that is going to perish, and he's going to transform our bodies into something glorious. You know, the, one of the ongoing debates in theological circles: Will our glorified body have DNA? What? If that's what you got to ponder on all your days, you got too much time on your hands. Really? That's what you want to worry? What are we going to look like? Does it matter? Let me just put it in this context. It really doesn't matter what we look like. We're just going to look like Jesus. Well, how old will we be? Well, how am I supposed to know how we're going to be? Will we know each other? I do believe we will know each other. Maybe God lets us pick our perfect age. I don't know. Some of you wouldn't even recognize me in my prime. I don't know. But I know this. When he comes back, he transforms us because flesh and blood cannot inherit the place that he has prepared for us. In other words, you've got to be changed or you can't get there. You have to have a different being or you can't join him in the place he has prepared for you. And so, here's the question. Are you changed? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you remember the day that that happened? Do you remember the place you were at? Do you remember what was going on? Do you remember the date? Could you take me by the hand and take me to that spot and say, this is the spot right here where I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I know that with any doubt in my mind. That is exactly where my life transformed, right there. That's where God began that work in me that he's going to complete until the day of Christ Jesus. Can you take me to that spot? 
Let me frame it a different way. If you put your head on the pillow tonight and you close your eyes, but before you fall asleep, you ask this question. Do I know for certain, without any doubt, that if I died, I would go to heaven tonight? Could you say yes to that question? Without a doubt. No question at all. I know I am going to heaven. If not, you have some business you need to take care of with the Lord. You need to begin asking those questions. Oh, Lord, what do I need to do? He'll answer that question for you. We now have an invitation. And that's an invitation for you to respond to the word of God. You've heard that we have a citizenship that's not here. You've heard that there's a promise and it's in the Savior who's coming back for us. And you know that we must all be changed. But if you've never been changed, you will miss the opportunity to be with Christ for all eternity. Would you bow your head with me? Just for a moment, I'm going to ask God to bless this time. Lord, will you move in your power and in your spirit and in your way, bringing souls to salvation and bringing those who are away from you into the life that you have in store for them. Help us, Lord, to repent of sin now. Help us to come to you in faith, to respond to you as you call us. Lord, we know we need you. We pray that it is now in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, please. Mess up, I fall, but there's one that calls us to himself. And he's saying, just come as you are. Sing it with me, please, this morning.